Hello, everybody. I'm Tom Dorsey. And I'm Ben Jones. It's August 22nd, 2018. Running down the summer. Dog days of summer are almost over. Labor Day is approaching. The official start of the sprint to the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> school's in session. Absolutely. And schools also, uh, the way I feel, all schools should be open. All kids should be at school. At all times. At all times. <laughs> at all times. No breaks. Keep learning, kids. Well, you know, we talked about, uh, Ben, um, some of the, the crumbs that are being dropped on the road that help us find our way. We mentioned on Monday's um, uh, webcast, the OTC, bullish percent, has gone back into a column of O's, and when you pick up the previous um, risk level, that's bear confirmed. Um, that reminds me, as I'm going to mention this again, because some people don't watch the, the webcast and listen to the podcast, reminds me back of March of 2000. And I'll never forget that day that, where were you March of 2000? I was, uh, you don't want to know, I was in middle school. Middle school, okay, <laughs> yeah, well, we were fighting the battles. You here. were fighting the battles. So was <laughs> I. I mean, seventh grade <laughs> English is hard. <laughs> so what happened was, all of a sudden, one week, we noticed the OTC, over-the-counter, bullish percent, go into a negative mode. And at the same time that week, the New York Stock Exchange bullish percent reversed up into Xs. Mm -hmm. That's one of the, that, that was a, a point at which we mentioned in the report that something is happening here with the over-the-counter stocks, and at that point in time would be dot-com type stocks. And we're moving to the New York Stock Exchange type stocks, which is more larger, term, larger uh, uh, stocks than, than the OTC. And that's exactly what happened. We started to move into the tooth the 2000, 2001, 2002 crash of the dot-coms, but you were also moving into other areas that were doing well. So it wasn't the kind of thing like a 2008 where everything went down. This was relegated to the dot-coms. Most people had bought into the dot-com and, and, and believed everything mm -hmm. that they could possibly believe, owned it. You could never, these stocks could never go down. And that was a problem. People were over-leveraged them. We're seeing this type of thing happen now with the OTC going going to into a column of O's, we don't know where it goes from here, but it's it's a sign that you want to you want to be thinking about this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're looking at these breadcrumbs in the marketplace, and you know, we look at kind of the the OTC stocks and Nasdaq related stocks. They're the growthy, they're tech related. These kind of tech healthcare mix, some consumer discretionary. Um, you know, where we are seeing selling pressure from within that space, you know, have been from areas that have been leading. Right? If you think about semiconductors, if you think about you know internet, um, you know those sectors which have been feels like perennial leaders um, are cooling off a bit. I mean, you look at the semiconductors bullish percent; it's back down to forty two percent. You know, while we're seeing this, this isn't the first time this year that we've seen this sector cool off, um, but it is really the first time that we're seeing it cool off as you know some of the the other larger cap value names in the market are, are stabilizing and beginning to show some signs of life. So, you know, we are watching it. Um, a great way, a visual way to see this on our system is the favored sector spectrum, you know, which I don't think we kind of talk about enough on our system. Indicators hit favored sectors. Um, you know, I'm all about visuals. It basically is a map of the, the sector market, or excuse me, map of the market, but showing sectors. Mm -hmm. um, it shows you what sectors are rated favored, average, or unfavored using some of our trend and relative strength metrics. And then more importantly, it shows those sectors based off of their bullish percent reading. So it gives you an indication of breadth and participation, risk levels in these areas. And you know, for the first time in a while, we, we've seen you know, 
uh, internet moved to an average status, and internet BPs at 38%. Semiconductors is unfavored at 42%. So this could be the breadcrumbs that suggest, hey, we're seeing a transition from you know what areas that were strong and leading to something else, or it could be a pause, right? I mean, it, we could see just you know maybe it's a pause that refreshes. You know, maybe internet is you know getting to oversold levels, and we see that resurgence. Because mind you, Tom, this is the backdrop of a market that is moving to new highs still, mm-hmm. and being led by you know a certain segment, right? It's it's been these you know tech related companies uh, that have been really pushing higher for much of the year. Well, back in the '60s, um, where were you back in the '60s? I was just in the sky somewhere, a star that my oh, parents okay, were okay. thinking about, you know, 30 years later. <laughs> Back in the 60s, the Dow went to 1,000 and failed. Went to 1,000 failed. And I think it was 10 years when it finally went through that level. And these kind of things, when you've got the S&P flirting with new highs now, mm-hmm. it just, when somebody as old as I am, and you think back, um, man, I wonder if this type of thing could happen again. But I believe, but here's one thing I believe, that we're going to end up being in another dot-com kind of bubble. And I say bubble. In other words, there's a new set of tech stocks right. that are going to take over. You've got the big stocks that have carried this so far. It's almost like um, a track meet. You're in a 400-meter mm-hmm. relay, and you're passing off the baton to the smaller type stocks. Who are these stocks? Well, companies that are, are helping make autonomous cars come in. Um, You wouldn't believe it, but one of the biggest um, companies that opens corporate banking accounts is Uber. Wow. And why is that? Because every Uber driver has to have a debit card to be paid. And when you look at the the number of accounts that are being opened in a bank, Uber's doing something interesting. And, And these companies that you think are just car drivers, right? they're something else. And the autonomous car, I think, is definitely going to come. A lot of these companies out there, small companies that make little widgets that fit into this program, you don't even know the names. I'm getting interested now in getting into these names. Um, and it's like MILN, which is which is a, a, an ETF, which is millennial. <laughs> and if you look at that... My M-I- generation, yeah. Yeah, MILN, and you look what underlies it, your generation, these are all the stocks that they're interested in. Right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you look at MILN, you know, relative, looking at its holdings, and you know, on our system, you know, we have a, a ETF holdings page. So if you pull up any ETF on the website, hit basically a little blue button that says all holdings. And you're, you're right. I mean, you see these are names that you know millennials are attracted to from a brand standpoint. It's what they use on a daily basis. Is what they're interested in. You know, you have your your Alphabet slash Google, your Amazons of the world, your Nikes. But what's also interesting too, Tom, is that uh, it's not just your kind of hyper tech, hyper e-commerce companies. I mean, it's Costco, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, you know residential REITs, you know, it's um, you know, websites that are buying traditional goods. You think about um, or even used goods, right? It's um, IC Interactive, which is online dating. It's TripAdvisor, which is you know buying tickets, you know, and, and uh, airplane tickets and hotel reservations. So it, it's unique. It's not just your kind of Facebooks of the world. There's other companies that are involved in this whole millennial um, kind of you know push as everyone's kind of reimagining the millennial economy. I mean, these are mm-hmm. companies that are a part of that story. And then maybe 
sooner rather than later, it's going to be the companies that you're talking about, right? The, the auto uh, automation side of driverless cars. It's, you know, what's next in the cloud, so to speak, of, you know, you had that great push maybe 2010, 11, 12, when the cloud was this hot new thing mm -hmm. and Amazon was in there, in there, Dell at the time, F5, you know, maybe it's something else, right? So there's always innovation and, and MILN gives advisors a way to access that through uh, kind of this, this new demographic. The interesting thing is when you go to these mutual funds that have these kinds of stocks in them, you can just go and look at the underlying stocks that, that make up that mutual fund, put them into a portfolio at DWA, and then you can manipulate that portfolio and create your own models from doing mm -hmm. relative strength matrices on them. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's unique. If I was back in production, what would I do? Well, it's clear to me that I would stick with the model page, and I think in terms of with my own money, of a battlefield. And you have your ground pounders, so to speak. These are, the, these are the guys with the M1 rifles, the first to go in. They're up on the front lines fighting. You've got your armored personnel carriers. You've got your snipers, all kinds of different things. Then you've got your tanks. Mm -hmm. The tank is where I want my serious money. That's the thing that is where I look at the model page. And one of the models that we have there is a T. Rowe Price model. Mm -hmm. And I asked Steve, I said, why does this model do so well? He said, because these guys are great stock pickers. So you're starting with, with mutual funds that your firm embraces, and you put them into a matrix, and we create a model for you, and the returns are fantastic. So you've got the two things. You've got mutual fund managers in there, and then you're managing the managers. And these are the kinds of things that I would do is put these models together, and like in, in my vision, is taking a welding tool and welding the models together and creating a portfolio that automatically runs for the customer. No, you're exactly right. And if you think about it, some of the breadcrumbs we're talking about, right? The S&P 500 is moving new highs. Dow hasn't. BPNYC is still in X's. OTCBP's not. Um, it's in O. So is there a transition from, you know, growth to value? Is there a transition from, you know, kind of hyper tech to maybe other names that are out there? What's interesting, if we look at the breadcrumbs that are present within this T-Row model, and again, what we do is we take an inventory of T-Row price mutual funds, we screen it using our fund score system and evaluate it every uh, seasonal quarter. So in instead of the traditional calendar quarters, you know, think January, beginning of January, think the beginning of April, we're doing it a month later. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at this inventory in February, in May, in August. Um, and so this allows you to kind of take advantage of seasonal trends, um, and also gives you, the advisor, another talking point to have with the client at a different time. So that's how they're run. But if you think about T. Rowe Price, great active shop. The inventory includes some sector funds, some size and style funds. But talk about breadcrumbs, Tom, is that one of the changes that we saw in the August review uh, change was that uh, the portfolio shifted into dividend growth names, shifted into small cap, which is kind of along the store that we're talking about, mm -hmm. out of science and technology. Uh, which is kind of a, an interesting move, um, you know, within this portfolio, sure as well as just pure growth names. So we are seeing some subtle shifts. Now, again, this is not this, we haven't seen massive shifts in Dolly yet. We haven't seen massive shifts in some of our models yet, but we are seeing some subtle ones. These, so to speak, breadcrumbs of the world that Hansel and Gretel are leaving us that we're, we're paying attention to. The reason you have to pay attention is if you think back to October of the year two thousand. I'll never forget this. All of a sudden, we noticed that after years of the market favoring growth, it favored value. After years of it favoring cap weight, it favored equal weight. Um, after years of it favoring large cap, it favored small cap. 
All you had to do back then was buy a fund that was small cap, value in nature, equal weighted if possible. Mm-hmm. You may not have found too many of those. And then do nothing for the next 13 years. Right. Just let it go for 13 years. Value was clearly the play. Are we coming back to that now? These things don't happen overnight. Right. But you start watching them. I, what I've noticed here is in utilities are beginning to, to look good. You know, if you pull up some of these utility stocks, and because they're relatively slow movers, look at them on a 0.5 chart, you'll see some chart patterns that'll, that'll uh, really turn your head. Right. So what's happening here? We look at what do you see in the interest rate um, bond market? Yeah, well, what we're seeing, if you pull up the charts of interest rates, you know, we track them. And um, how do they do that? Yeah, uh, track them using the point figure charts. So for the 10-year, use TNX. Uh, for the 30-year, use TYX, Tom Yellow X-Ray. Uh, if you look at the 30-year right now, I mean, it's basically, it's been trading in a range for much of this summer after peaking at, you know, 3.25%, hit a low of 2.9 and 2.925 in July. Uh, but during this process, the, it's in a negative trend. You know, it, it it moved to a negative trend. You saw it bounce in July and it in August, and it failed at that negative trend line. And so it now is moving back lower. It hit that resistance. So and what do you hear on TV, CNBC, and all the rest of the places? Everywhere you read, we're in an interest rate rising environment. Same thing with the ten year, right? We we saw it, you know, kind of you know, move to a positive trend. Let's say back in 2017 in August, it rallied up to that high in May around 3.1 percent. Since then, it's moved lower to 2.825. In the meantime, it's moved to a negative trend. So all of this is, is one reason, uh, maybe it's a reason, why we're, we're seeing you know some stability and momentum kind of flow back into real estate, flow back into utilities. Look at some of the real estate. Yeah. Uh, what's that one, SP? Uh, SPG? SPG, is that it? SPG, uh, take a look at that chart. Yeah, Simon Property Group. Simon, that's it, Simon. And we saw that you know move back to a positive trend there in June. Getting back up to your March 2017 levels, attribute-wise, it's a two, but it has a four and a half percent yield. So you're seeing it begin to, to uptick. I mean, it's gone look from basically a one to a two just this year alone. Just look at the chart. Yeah. So I mean, real estate and four and a fraction yield. Yeah, and there's some individual opportunities here, right? I think um, you're beginning to kind of pick off some of these REITs and, and stocks. You know, we haven't seen a full shift yet into from a sector level, right? I think you still have to be selective because relative strength-wise, it doesn't show enough merit yet. But you're right. I mean, it's hard. When you cover up the name of that chart, it looks attractive. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And 4.49 yield. So what's going on here? That's real estate. Yeah. So you talked about the models page again. You know, when you were back in, in business, you would use kind of a T-Row model. You combine it with something else. Would you also use, you know, maybe one of develop like an income portfolio or, or you know, u- using some of these REITs or running our, our screens to scan for these high yeah, depending income Depending on names? the account. Depending on the okay. account. If you look at if you look at my account, my net worth, fifty percent of what I have is um, being run by one of our clients at RBC in a. Um, laddered municipal bond portfolio, mostly Virginia paper. Mm-hmm. And that provides the income. And because it's laddered, that's how you want your bond portfolio. Because every every month almost, bonds are coming due. You're getting your, your thousand back and you're reinvesting in, you know, you're going out. So it doesn't make any difference whether rates rise, whether rates decline. You just continue running that portfolio. And, you know, then for me, 25% is in option strategies. Right. So at Charles Schwab is where I do my option strategies. 
and I typically write um, the weekly options. That's something that wasn't there years ago. I would have I would have sworn that the only way you look at it is every three months. <laughs> it's as far as you can see out in your headlights. But now that they allow you on weekly options, these premiums will have a tendency to evaporate like an ice cream cone on Coney Island in July. <laughs> and so I like those weekly options. It allows me to have inventory that I keep moving the inventory. Um, not for everyone, right? but for me, that's what I do. And then I utilize um, a platform uh, called Folio Investing where, where they don't allow you to have options. That's where my models go. And the model page, that, that, that portfolio is pretty state. I don't, I don't make any changes until I get a notification that there is a change. And that's where I keep all of them. And the beauty about that, about that platform is that you can section it off. Your portfolio is sectioned off with models themselves. So you can look into the model. You can look into your engine and see what's going on with that model. And that's what I have, the three pieces of, of, of what I do. I would probably do that same type of thing if I was back in production. But as far as the options are concerned, I would have a basic covered writing program. Gotcha. And I think that's where you're going to be able to charge a higher fee. Um, in the future, fees are coming down. I mean, you look at Charles Schwab, they have a modern portfolio. Of, they're the fastest growing, no-cost um, program. I mean, and I know the program because I went into it with... A, a sizable amount of money so that I would pay attention to it, but I lost interest in six months and took it back. But uh, investors are not losing interest in it, uh, huh. other investors, and it's it's growing incredibly fast. And, and one way to compete with that is to be different, add value in a lot of different ways. And, Absolutely. And I think what we provide through that models page and through some of our different tools, whether you're interested in stock selection or option writing or just want to, you know, have these model-based solutions to plug in portfolios, you know, come to us. Go to dorsetright.com, sign up for a trial. Um, or if you are a subscriber and never seen these models before, right, if you haven't seen the FSM models Tom talked about, you know, T. Rowe Price, our core solution, our American Funds model, um, or any of the other ETF models that we have with other partners like Oppenheimer and First Trust and Invesco and iShares and State Street, um, just go to the models page. But also, too, if you don't see the FSM models right now, um, go to Tools, hit Team Builder, sign up for a trial that will give you the privileges to see those FSM portfolios. And also, too, just as we wrap things up, um, you know, we are putting out kind of our early bird registration for the Broker Institute. Yeah, um, so definitely take advantage of the early bird pricing, which ends September 30th. Um, it's going to be in Richmond, Virginia this fall. Um, you can access it, sign up page or information going up to Media and, and Education or look at the Daily Equity Report today, Richmond, Virginia, November 7th through the 9th um, at the wonderful Jefferson Hotel, uh, which is just fantastic. And we have a little bit of, uh, of information and seminars and, and presentations for everyone, right? Where you know, if you're an advisor who is just looking to get up to speed about our process, our research, and you, know, you want to start with the basics, we have sessions for you. If you want to look how to optimize your, your practice by using some of our portfolios like Dolly Tilt and some of those other strategies, we have something for you as well. So um, check out that. It's in the Daily Equity Report. Uh, Broker Institute sign up is, is open for November 7th through 9th of this year. And one other thing to add to that, my good friend Ralph Akampur is going to be here as a special uh, special speaker. Yeah, so you can do that. He's not my good friend yet, but it's going to be fantastic. He does an awesome job. Awesome job. He's, he's the father the grandfather of technical analysis. He spent his whole career making technical analysis on an even keel 
with fundamentals, and he accomplished that. Yeah, a total champion for sure. Well, good. Tom, this was great. I always love doing these podcasts with you. <laughs> yeah, man. We, we work it out. And let's leave, let's leave it with one more thing. I hate extending this, but what's a good book you're reading right now? Well, I got a bunch of them. <laughs> um, one is um, Augmented, which I think everyone needs to read. Uh, it will get you up on technology, where things are going to be in the future, and really open your eyes Another thing I just finished reading was um, The Physics of Wall Street. Ooh, how does and that go? <laughs> that's a cool book. Good I ending? Mean, <laughs> well, you learn about back in the 40s, where did, where did all of this, the, the, the physics, the people in physics come into this market? How did they go count cards? How do they do this? And it's really an interesting book. Um, it's a fast read. Oh, neat. So that's The Physics of Wall Street. Yep. Uh, I believe the author by James... Weatherall, um, it's called The Physics of Wall Street, A Brief History, Predicting the Unpredictable. And then the other one was The Augmented, Life in the Smart Lane That's right. uh, by Brett King. Oh, cool. I'll have to check those out. Yeah, and I've got a bunch more that I'm reading. I, I, I used to have five that are going. Just ongoing, time. yeah. Whichever one I feel like listening to, I press the button and I listen to that one. You know, I go to the gym, get on the bike, and I'm reading, man. That's awesome. Well, let, thanks for letting me join you today. Uh, everyone have a great day. And again, check out today's Daily Equity Report for the sign-up information for the Fall 2018 Broker Institute.